Hey, you're listening to the Time and Talks podcast. I'm your host, Dejal V. Patel, and this is the place where we have refreshingly real talks about the biggest problems moms face in motherhood and life and the spiritual solutions to solve them. If you're ready to reset your mindset with some major truth bombs, well then, let's dive in. Welcome back, everyone. I'm so happy that you're here. If you're new to this podcast, I'm Dejal V. Patel. I am all about infusing spirituality into motherhood, mindful parenting, and Ayurveda. And today we are talking about Ayurveda and kids. This is something that I am always so keenly open to learning more about. So I had to have a guest on who really authentically does bring these Ayurveda practices into her lifestyle, into her children's lifestyle, whether it's food or just lifestyle practices or herbs and wellness tips. And so I am so, so excited to invite Buja Segal. You may know her from Instagram as the mama behind Honey, Ghee, and Tea. And this is one of my favorite accounts because not only does she consistently share the wisdom of recipes, but also just lifestyle practices and tips of how to incorporate Ayurveda into our life and our family's life. She always inspires me to learn more and want to learn more. So a little bit about Pooja, she is a practicing physician's assistant, a Ayurveda health counselor, and a mom to two little ones. She has over 10 years of experience working with children in the field of pediatric neurology. And when she had her first baby a couple years ago, she realized there must be some other way to raise our kids to avoid the many plagues that we face from the constant colds and ear infections and asthma and eczema, and not to mention the growing epidemic of mental illness. How to meld that East and West philosophy and wisdom. She's really passionate about working with women, specifically busy mothers, in hopes to guide and inspire them to nurture a lifestyle of health, well-being, and balance in their own lives as well as their families. So in today's episode, we dive into some great tips about Ayurveda and our kids. How can we balance their health, emotions, and wellness with this ancient wisdom in a way that's practical and relatable and doable for us? I was really so excited to have Buja on the podcast. I learned so much. I know you're going to learn so much. So without further ado, let's dive in. Buja, I'm so excited that you're here on the Time and Talks podcast. Welcome. Thank you, Tejal. I'm so excited to be here. So Buja is someone that I connected with on Instagram. Like a lot of the moms, I feel like there's so many people that I invite on the guests because I found you on Instagram, but your feed... Being someone who's still learning so much about Ayurveda, I really gravitate to your feed because of the fact that you really do such a lovely job melding it into your family and you share about that journey and it's so organic and authentic. And so I just had to have you here talk a little bit about that idea of infusing Ayurveda with our kids and why you're so passionate about it and how you got started. So I'd love to start there just of how you got so inspired, whether your personal journey of Ayurveda, but also melding it in with your children and your family. So I think that Ayurveda was part of my life from my childhood. And it was something that my parents had instilled at 
in us growing up. And then I think that when you go off to college and, you know, you're doing your own thing, I think things change and you forget a lot of things. And so, yes, I did have, you know, my set of um, GI issues and, you know, things that really uh, set me off from that path of Ayurveda. And I think that that really inspired me. And then going into like a work field in healthcare and being a physician assistant and seeing patients that suffered from similar things, it helped me go back to the basics because you can keep giving medicine and medicine and medicine and, you know, you just keep loading it on. But if you don't prevent it from its cause, it's not really changing anything, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that is what really inspired me to actually study it. And then I had children, you know, around that time. And it was just something that I knew that I wanted to raise them with. And they continuously inspire me to keep going and keep learning more. And um, yeah, that's really it. That's really amazing. And so you are a certified Ayurveda health counselor, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And so what did, just out of curiosity, so what did that require for you? Because you're a physician's assistant. And then did you have to obviously do like another training for that? I did. So it's a course um, in the United States, there's Ayurveda counselor courses and practitioner courses. And um, they're both around a year, year and a half long. And so you do have to study it, you can study it online uh, mm -hmm. with some practical, you know, workshops, or you can do an in person, you know, training. Uh, so it's pretty extensive. Uh, but I don't think it's as regu regulated in the United States yet. Mm -hmm. So yes, you can take an exam and you can become certified and all of that. But I think it's one of those growing fields. I think that in the next decade, it's going to grow exponentially. Yes. Okay. I love that. Just because there's so many people who listen to this and they're just wondering like, you know, if I want to learn just for myself, whether they want to be a counselor or someone for someone else, but just for themselves. So that's really good to know. Like you said, many of us who are South Asians, we might not even realize that certain aspects of like our diet or like lifestyle, like, you know, we all grew up with tongue scrapers and ulus and, you know, like a lot of these practices, lifestyle or dietary, um, or even like the, the herbs and different spices that we use, we might not realize that it's it's rooted in Ayurveda. And I've always found that really fascinating to make that connection after the fact of like, oh, I used to like brush that off as like an old wives tale or something that I didn't believe in. And then you now when I read it, I'm like, oh, that makes so much more sense. And I feel Ooh. bad that I questioned my parents when they would say things like that. But it's true. It's like there's so much of a connection. Um, just the science of like, uh, logical common sense. It was just our ancestors who took like what they had observed in their bodies and compared it to what they were observing in nature. And they kind of recorded it or they verbally passed it down. So it's so practical and it just makes so much sense. And I guess when we were younger, we didn't really understand that. But as we get older and we see all these practices, it totally, totally makes sense. Yeah. And one thing I really like about your feed because you do make bring a fresh approach to Ayurveda. So like when you think a lot of people, when they think they're like, do I have to eat Indian food for the rest of my life? Do I have to eat kitcheny for the rest of my life? And you make it modernized based on the different elements and the doshas and you explain it so well. And so I think you do such a lovely job of just 
modernizing it for us in a way um, that it fits into our lifestyle. It doesn't feel so ancient, if that makes sense. I'd love for you to, because we really want to focus on Ayurveda and kids, which is something like we talked about, you incorporate with your kids. Um, but can you speak like generally, as far as Ayurveda and the doshas, the three doshas, how they relate to our children? Um, and how can we better understand their predisposition based on the doshas? So Ayurveda is, it's a natural science, right? It's our effect the effect of nature on our body. Um, and then when we look at the doshas, the doshas come into play because it was a way of simplifying Ayurveda. The building blocks of Ayurveda are the 20 qualities or the gunas, like hot, cold, dense, light, dry, moist. Um, and they related them to the five elements that everything in the world is made out of, the earth, water, fire, air, and space. So each of these elements possesses one or many of those 20 qualities like earth being dense and heavy fire mm -hmm. being hot um and so the elements were then further classified into the three doshas that we know of that anyone that's heard of ayurveda knows of the vata pitta and kapha and mm -hmm. so vata is composed mostly of air and space pitta of fire and water and kapha of earth earth and water. So essentially, the doshas are just functions of the human body and mind as related to nature as related to those elements. And so just like things go in and out of balance in nature, like things go out of balance in our body as well in our in, in, in our minds. And so the goal is always to maintain our individual state of balance. So when we speak mm -hmm. about our children, children are naturally in the earth and water dominant guffa stage mm -hmm. of life, which is characterized by building and growth until they hit their teenage years when the hormonal changes happen and then the fiery pitta kind of sets in mm -hmm. and um, we experience like that teenage uh, rebellious stage, <laughs> you know, all of that. So in Ayurveda, different from modern science, children are considered like super, super divine because they have this constant growth going on. It's totally different from a grown adult. And it's kind of evident when we look at a child, like they have this growing anatomy, a changing physiology, and they have the most important, they have this vulnerable mind, right? Like they're affected so deeply by the energies in their environment. These events in, from their childhood kind of shape who they become as adults. Mm -hmm. So in childhood, children are the closest to their natural state of health. So during childhood, that's when their prakriti or their natural dosha, mm -hmm. their natural state of balance is the most evident. Mm -hmm. So learning what our child is I guess is for a lack of a better word, um, learning like the owner's manual of our favorite yeah. clients before yeah. we start using it and getting like wear and tear. So some children, let's say, are more susceptible to allergies uh, and others to rashes. Some have trouble keeping weight on. Some are like, you know, overweight. It's just and then some get angry easily while others don't really seem affected by anything. So every child is different. Um, but all of these signs are signs of imbalances, right? So if we learn our child's type and some common seasonal guidelines on living in alignment with nature, we can easily kind of guide them back to that natural state and 
maintain perfect health for, for them. And so that's where the doshas and where Ayurveda kind of plays a huge role in a child's life. I love when you talk about the stages, because when I heard about that, I that was such a big eye opener, because yes, like you how like you said, like, um, childhood to about teenage years is about the kapha. And then Bita, the Bita stage, is it from teenage? Do you know what uh, phase in adulthood that goes to? The so it, goes, phase? it usually goes, you know, until you're elderly, like I would say like 60, 65, you know, and yes. then after that, you kind of start depleting more so. And that's the Vata stage. But in today's day and age, we are aging a lot faster than like, you know, our ancestors were. So the Pitta start, but the Pitta age starts um, a lot earlier, usually mm-hmm. we used to start after 30. Um, and the Kapha stage used to go until 30. But most of our children hit puberty and us, I mean, you know, all of us, and we kind of yeah. end up in that Pitta stage a lot earlier. So everything kind of happens a little faster now. Yeah, that but that makes so that's like so eye opening because you hear right like parents talking about like their their tweens being like that that teenager like that fire that comes yeah. out and then if you think about it what stage that we are in our life right we're doing we're trying to be productive yeah. we get more short tempered we're you know like just like because of the phase that we're in and then when I thought about it because my parents like many of our parents like you mentioned um, you know like 50s, 60s you know like they're in that age and I noticed that. Now seeing my parents in this later phase, they're like getting like my dad used to be so confident, like driving, for example, like, you know, driving and not feeling like nervous. And now he's just like, so nervous all the time. I'm like, Oh, my gosh, like, (laughs) we're totally in Vata phase, like you're so indecisive. And you're so it's very interesting. It's to see those phases be like an overarching and then how beautifully you said, it is I found like how I love how you said the owner's manual of your child, because that has certainly helped me by and far with, you know, we talk about every child having a different personality. That's the root of it because their brokerage is different and how they respond to stress and how they get imbalanced and what a balance looks like. Like I have a Bita dominant child as my oldest one, like Ayan is, and he will be very short tempered. And then I have a more confident dominant for my younger and totally different way of getting through things and just being go with the flow. And so I love how you mentioned that because it really just understanding that a little bit more and just being aware of it, um, not only just their personality, but also like how you share um, different foods, like we, we could, if they're getting rashes, or if they're getting allergies, there's different food components that we could also change dietarily that can help that. So, so much information to go into. And I love it. Um, But those are, I just want to talk about some of the most common things, because that's uh, something that you specialize in. So when we think about children, right, because they're kapha, colds, ear infections, they sleep a lot, right? Because they need a lot of sleep because they're in their kapha Um, allergies. So like things with relating to colds or mucus, because I remember that was such a big phase of Mm -hmm. my life as a child too, like that mucus. Do you have any suggestions of sort of um, Ayurvedic remedies or um, things that we can use to help um, if we notice that our child is more inclined to that? So creating mucus is a natural part of childhood, because this mucus is what allows for lubrication to promote elasticity to promote growth, and our kids are rapidly growing. But what the problem with um, being in this kapha stage of childhood is 
And what's tricky is that the mucus has to be just right. So mm-hmm. when gaffa dosha goes out of balance, it leads to this excess heaviness, stickiness, which leads to the excess mucus production. And it compromises our child's immunity and leads to this congestion and, you know, all of the illnesses that you had mentioned, the ear infections, allergies, asthma, things like that. So when there's too much mucus, you get all of these things. But also when there's too little mucus, because you get reactive mucus being created, and that clumps in all the dry areas of your nasal passages, your um, sinuses, even the ears. And so either way, you can have too much mucus, too little mucus, and you can end up with all of these issues. And right now in our society, most of our kids deal with the too much mucus production Mm -hmm. issue, because the classic American kids diet is this heavy, sticky diet. It's full of carbs. It's full of cheese. We have grilled cheese, cheese pizzas, mozzarella sticks, you know, mac and cheese, everything. And I'm not saying like salads need to be on the kids menu at a restaurant because I don't think those are you know too good for a child either, but it's just a lot of cheese, cheese, cheese. And that's what our kids are eating. Some families, you know, there's yogurt being given to kids three meals a day, um, ice cold water. And it's just all these things are guffa aggravating foods and our kids are already in this guffa aggravated stage and they're not running around like we used to do as children or how our parents used to do as children so that heavy sticky diet combined with a lack of adequate exercise is compromising their immunity and giving them all of these issues Um, and so of course prevention is key so regardless of whether it's guffa season or you know it's any other time of the year, a strong digestive system is key for a child's well-being. And because our children's digestive system is still immature and it's still developing, we want to be more mindful of what we're giving them. So in general, you know, regardless of what illness, you know, cold, coughs, allergies, ear infection, you want to avoid frozen foods, canned foods, prepackaged foods, processed foods, anything that'll be too heavy for their developing digestive system to digest. And then anything that has ingredients that we can't pronounce because we really don't know the effects of these things on their digestive systems. And so you want to avoid the refined sugars, refined flours, unless it's like an occasional treat, you know, you don't want to make it your lifestyle. And overall, our body is this warm and moist space. It's not cold. It's not hot. It's not dry. Um, And so the point of balance for our kid is just a warm, moist, well-cooked meal. And that's what they need to be eating. Um, You know, rice, wheat, occasional gluten-free grain, red lentils, you know, seasonal vegetables and fruits, just keeping it simple. Like I think as parents, we try to overcomplicate things. We're like, let's load on the nutrients. Let's load on all these seeds and, you know, nuts and just add in a bunch of stuff. And we create a really complicated food for them. And it's just too much for their bodies to handle. Mm-hmm. And then as far as remedies, like for some simple stuff, like colds and coughs and stuff like that, to for overall immunity, you can use the herbal jam that's very common for children. Chavan Bras is really mm. good. Um, it's high in vitamin C, so it helps with their immunity. You know, um, it also helps with strength. Uh, and then you just want to make sure that's a brand that doesn't have any additives, preservatives. You know, a lot of things are marketed as Ayurvedic. And then when you look at the ingredients, they're anything but. So yeah. you could do that. And then another great remedy um, is this herbal blend of dry ginger, black pepper, and long 
pepper. It's called trikatu, and mm. you can. It just helps to liquefy the mucus. So if your child has eaten a heavy meal or anything like that, you give it to them fifteen to twenty minutes before or even after. You can give it. Um, or add it into their nighttime milk and you just add in a pinch of the trikatu um, mm-hmm. into their milk or maybe mix it with some honey and it just helps with the mucus. So yeah. I think for children, three warm, well-cooked, seasonal meals a day, warm water, warm milk, everything warm for them, lots of physical activity and exercise. And then you can use herbs like chevenbras, trikatu, you know, and if their digestion is strong, if their immunity isn't compromised, then they're not going to get sick. Now, if your child's already sick, at this time, you want to make sure they're not having anything cold, they're not having any heavy foods, they're having basic you know, simple rice-based meals. You don't want to give them cheeses, yogurts. Mm -hmm. During that time, soups and broths are good. Uh, Avoid any cold stuff. Um, Another great herb that you can give for colds, like if they are already congested, is sitopaladi. That's like a Mm -hmm. very common uh, herb that helps to dry up any excess mucus without drying everything else out. So it's great to add into kids' Uh, milk, give it to them with some honey, anything like that. If your child's congested from the chest, you can do warm compresses. You can allow them to sip on warm water or ginger tea during the day if they're old enough mm-hmm. for that. Um, and then cumin seeds are really good. Uh, yeah. Just dry roasting cumin seeds, grinding them, and then putting a generous pinch in some honey and then giving, giving it to them until the congestion clears up. Really just helps dry things up. Oh, that's a, those are really great suggestions. And I don't know if you found this, but you know, when you were saying all the foods, like, you know, the heavy cheese things and stuff, it's been really funny. But like both of my kids, like they don't like mac and cheese. They don't like grilled cheese. Like they don't like any of those things. Like they just naturally like, nope, nope, nope. So it's, great. They, it's, it's been interesting because like my younger one lives on, he's like rice and beans, rice and beans, like doll and beans. Like that's all, like I feel like I'm cooking that all the time time but we've been incorporating that more because I'm making it all the time and I've noticed too that even for us like that's such it's easier for our stomach I feel so much more lighter I feel so much more healthier um so it's been interesting because I feel like our diet has kind of shifted because of the kids because they don't want any of that stuff so it's funny when you're naming that I was like oh my gosh they're just naturally in tune to what they're supposed to eat and that's what they're guided to which is interesting that's a lot of kids actually like they don't like the leftovers like if you put leftovers in front of a child naturally a lot of them don't like it and just same with processed food they just know somehow they they still have that intuition that many of us may not have anymore and so that's what the goal is we want to keep that intuition alive for as long as possible we want to keep it alive until they become adults so that they can make decisions for themselves based on this you know, rhythm of their own circadian rhythm and the rhythm of nature and like this intuition that they've kept alive all their lives. Yeah. Except when the cookies come in, they're like, yes, give me the cookies. Give me that. <laughs> well, the good thing with cookies is that it's just, it's flour and it's sugar, right? And both of those are very nourishing foods for kids. It's just that now everything's very refined and hybridized and things like that. But naturally, wheat is so good for kids. Um, rice is so good for kids and sugar, like, sweeteners are good for kids as long as they're you know the healthy kind because now we're all refined and all of that so they like the stuff that's good for them it's just now everything has become very 
processed. And so that's why we have to stop ourselves from giving it to them. But overall, it's still good for them, you know, if it's made at home or we use the right kind of sweeteners and the right kind of flowers. Right, right. No, and you're, you know, a lot of things like when we think about it, like, you know, when you talked about yogurt, I remember one of your posts, our parents made yogurt at home and making and you know, I know that's something that you do too. It's like, there's different properties of like, you know, store bought versus like when you're making at home. And I know milk is such a big topic because like, you know, the milk that our parents used to drink, or, you know, even I feel like maybe what we used to drink when we were younger too is completely different than the milk, like the the cow's milk that I'm talking about that we get now. Um, So everything has become gravitating towards plant-based. I'm just curious just to know your thoughts about that. Just because you mentioned milk a few times. Is there a guideline now, just like the modern life that we live, like is cow's milk okay for our kids? Um, Should it, should we transfer to plant-based? Should be a mix of two? I'm just curious about your thoughts on that. So as far as properties, nothing can compare to cow's milk. So cow's milk has the nourishing properties that children need. Now, the quality of our cow's milk is isn't the best anymore, right? Like the mainstream stuff that we find at the grocery store is not good for our bodies because it's, you know, the cows are pumped with hormones. There's antibiotics. There's things that can lead to other imbalances within our kids' bodies and within our bodies. And so I think that if you're able to find a source of milk that's good, like quality milk, then I think that you should not be replacing milk with a plant-based option. When you look at plant-based options, you have to look at what it's made from. So if it's made from oats, if it's made from almonds, and you have to look at the properties of the the food. So the almonds or the oats and oats are naturally just scraping. They, you know, they help lower cholesterol, right? So like, Mm -hmm. that's not going to nourish a child. Um, Mm -hmm. Same thing with almonds. Almonds are, they're nourishing and they're great, but they're heating, right? So they're not going to help lead to that build and growth that we're looking for, for our children. And so whenever we can give them cow's milk, cow's milk is you know, the best, it's the perfect option for them. Yeah. And I think that if we're looking for good quality milk, we should be looking for something that's either raw, or low heat pasteurized, um, organic from grass fed cows, Um, we should be looking for non homogenized milk, the pasteurization and the homogenization, especially homogenization, um, it has it was just created i think in the 1950s or so and it was created to lengthen the shelf life of the milk so there's no other purpose it's just processing the milk and it's partially breaking down the proteins and the fats in the milk making them harder for our bodies to digest because it's not fully breaking it down for us and yeah. so it makes it so much harder for our bodies and now we see all these lactose intolerances, the sensitivities. And I think a lot of it is coming from that processing of milk. So if we can find as fresh as possible, I think that even if your child has maybe a mild sensitivity or something, they would be able to tolerate the better quality milk. So looking for like, for me, the criteria is looking for something that's organic, looking for the non-homogenized and um, looking for the low heat pasteurized if I'm able to find it. And then once I bring it home, I just bring it to a boil, and then I'll let it cool down and I'll either store it or if I have the time, it'll be boiled. And then once it's room temperature, it'll be given to the kids to drink. Got it. Got it. That's really helpful. 
I'm going to go step back just one second when you had mentioned like certain herbs that you had mentioned. Um, Do you mind sharing just a few, maybe that like you few companies that you resonate with or that you found that you've liked? Because I know there are a lot out there and like as, as you mentioned, as things get more popular, like you said, you have to be more mindful of the source, but I'd love to hear if there's any like place, like any companies that you resonate with that you found that you like. For Chevin Brass, we always go with Pyre Living. I feel like it's made authentically and um, it doesn't have refined sugar in it. And so it's really good. No preservatives, no additives. Um, and so that's our go-to for Chevin Brass and that's Pyre Living brand. And then for herbs, I think the most readily available brand for us is Bunyan Botanicals. And so I trust them. And I think that all of their products are great. They're all organic. We use their sesame oil for Abhyanga. We use um, their herbs in the house and we've never had an issue. So Bunyan Botanicals is my go-to for herbs. And then uh, for something like milk and stuff, uh, I think Whole Foods always carries at least a brand that's not homogenized. When we were on the East Coast, we used to have Skytop Farms. We now have Kelowna over here in Texas. And so I think there's always a brand that you can find at your Whole Foods. You can also go to local dairy farms, but you have to be careful because you want to make sure that their cows are still treated well. Like Just because something's labeled as raw milk doesn't necessarily make it you know, quality. Yes. So um, for that, but for the herbs and the Chevin brass, I definitely go for bunion and um, prior living. Prior. So is it prior P R I O R prior P I O R P I O R. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes. Prior living. Okay, great. Thank you for that. I'm a big Banyan botanicals fan. So I was wondering this, see if you'd mentioned them or not, Uh, but I really like them too. So I'd love to talk a little bit about, constipation and tummy issues, because that's another big thing that happens with kids. Any um, suggestions or remedies in RUV that you could mention for that? So for tummy aches, I mean, tummy aches can happen for so many reasons. Um, Like anything turns into a tummy ache, right? So if your child already has a tummy ache, you want to avoid sweet foods during that time. And then once again, you know, keep the diet light and easily digestible, digestible. So whenever your child's immunity or anything is compromised, you want to just keep everything light. You want to make it easier for their body to process whatever they're trying to process. And so for for tummy aches in particular, a good and easy remedy is to give a digestive appetizer, as it's called, before each meal following the tummy ache. So you can do a pinch of dry ginger powder and then just mix that with a little bit of rock salt and a squeeze of lime and then give it to them 10 to 15 minutes before each meal that they have after they've had the tummy ache. So it kind of just gives their body a chance to ignite that digestive fire. You know, whatever has dampened it, it kind of clears it out and it helps it reignite. And then you can also, if, you know, your child's complaining of more bloating, flatulence, things Mm -hmm. like that, you can do hing um, Mm -hmm. and mix hing with some ghee or some sesame oil, just a little pinch. And then you just put it around their belly button and then leave it on for 15 minutes or so and then wipe it off with a damp cloth. And it kind of just helps all that gas come out. And Mm then um, other than that, for you could do teas like cumin, fennel, fresh ginger tea is Mm -hmm. good, just something for them to sip on. Tea can be given to children of 
any age. It just depends on how much you're giving them. So for a baby, if you're giving them tea, you're only giving them one to two tablespoons of the tea. And then as children get older, you get once you hit your teenage years, you can have a full cup. But what I do is I love tea time. So um, I love my herbal teas. And uh, they usually are something that I'll have after each meal. And so what I do with my kids, like if they've had a heavy meal, let's say for lunch, what we'll do is we'll make some tea, I'll make some you know, human fennel tea, and we'll sit down, we'll read a book. And what I, for them, I'll just put a pinch of each of the spices, and I'll make a full cup, but it'll just have a pinch of the spice. And so it'll be very diluted. So they'll drink the water that way, and they'll stay hydrated. And they'll also get, you know, the benefits of the tea, but it'll really only be a tablespoon or two tablespoons worth of the tea. Got it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, and also with the hing, that's funny because we always hear that for like babies. I didn't think about like, I just thought it was just a baby thing. I didn't realize that you could do it with kids that are a little bit older too. You can do it with any age for that. You can actually do it for adults see, too. See, that's one of those things that you're, I looked at my mom, I'm like, what are you talking about? And then I tried it and I'm like, oh yeah, that really did help the baby. <laughs> I'm like, that's great. And now I'm like, give it to me everything that you used to know. And I'm like, tell me, what did you guys have? Like your, you know, what did you learn? Because I'm sure there's some, some wisdom behind it. And I'm like all about learning it. Um, but that's so great. I learned so much from this. And it was also really kind of uh, inspiring to know that I'm like, wow, okay, so I'm on the right track. I'm definitely, and I'm sure that's because a lot of the stuff that I've learned from you, but it's like, okay, um, definitely so much more to incorporate. But you know, that's the whole thing. We don't have to be experts on it. Even if we start infusing a little things, you know, and just having the awareness of it, wherever we're at, I think that's beautiful as parents. And um, it's a great start, I think. It's and a so, lifelong journey. Uh, it's like, you, just, yeah. you learn more and more as you keep going. And you, as long as you're gaining the knowledge, you know, to keep progressing, I think that's what's important. And it's just really a journey, a lifelong journey. Well, thank you to you because you helped this journey of growth and just evolution for all of us because you really like your Instagram page. I've learned so much from it. I will go up and say it's one of my favorites because I feel like I always walk away with something um, and I'm inspired by it. So thank you so much for continually to put your heart out there and sharing with us because um, that's how we that's how we grow. Thank you, Thangela. Thank you so much. Yeah. So where can the listeners find you um, if they want to learn more and follow your journey? So you can contact me via email through my blog, honeygeeandtea.com, where you'll find information regarding consultations, dosha quizzes, webinars and such. Um, but the best way I'd say to find me is through my Instagram, which is honeygeeandtea, where you can expect lots of seasonal Ayurvedic recipes and any other current information. So that would be the best honeygee and tea on instagram yes yeah, so we'll put everything in the show notes so everyone can connect with you thank you so much Buja. this was such um, a wealth of information thank you Thajal. it was an absolute pleasure if you've been loving the time and talks podcast and you find value from it i would be so eternally grateful if you take a moment of your time to leave a rating and review over at apple podcast and when you do i love to gift you my seven day stress detox course all you gotta do is screenshot your review before you submit it email it to me at thajal at thajalvpatel.com and when you do i'll inbox you the details of the course this course has my go-to tools anytime i feel impatient angry frustrated 
frustrated and I come to them almost every single day. And I promise these are the tools that you're gonna wanna have in your back pocket too. And if you haven't purchased the Meditation for Kids book, definitely do so now. You can purchase it anywhere you buy books, Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, Target, IndieBound, BAM, and you can go to meditationforkidsbook.com to get more information on the Meditation for Kids Masterclass course. If you're a complete beginner and learning how to teach meditation to your kids, this is the step-by-step roadmap that's going to teach you how to teach your kids meditation without having to become a certified meditation expert. Thank you so much, guys. Bye.